Here we are again, looking into the rear pew mirror, reflecting on how things can look different from the back row of the sanctuary. I'm Doug Brooke, and I'm here today, whatever day you're listening to this, to tell you that people are people. All people are people. But not only that, people in the Bible were people. By the way, in case you have trouble understanding the words because these kids these days in their rock and roll, those lyrics by Depeche Mode from 1984, so those kids these days in their rock and roll aren't kids anymore, by the way, those lyrics are, people are people, so why should it be? You and I should get along so awfully. So yes, even people in the Bible were people. They put their shoes on one sandal at a time. They ate drank, and didn't like getting stung by bees just like people today. Now, I've said it before and I'll say it again every time you replay this podcast episode. A primary purpose of reading from the Torah every week is to find new things it can tell us about our lives, our world, and our quality of education at religious school. Given the recent passing, not demise, of Tubaav, known by some because of its centuries-newer secular variant on February 14th, it's apt to look at how our forecestors, including our three forefathers and our four foremothers, first hooked up. Now, if you're listening to this right when it's available, it's about to be Yom Kippur and Tubaav was nearly two months ago. So, why talk about hookups right before a day for atonement and fasting? Two reasons. One, let's face it, if you want to find more Jews in one place at one time, go to services on Yom Kippur. So, logically, if you want to meet that special someone, this is the right place, even if it's not the right time. But then again, you're in the right place to atone for it. The other reason is that the Talmud says, quote, there were no days as joyous for the Jewish people as Tubaav and Yom Kippur, as on them the daughters of Jerusalem would go out in white clothes and dance in the vineyards. And what would they say? Young man, lift up your eyes and see what you choose for yourself. Don't set your eyes upon beauty, rather set your eyes upon family. End quote. These would be the unmarried daughters of Jerusalem, of course. And I know what you're thinking— but apparently it was no bigger sin to go dancing outside on Yom Kippur than it was to wear white after Labor Day. Because they did both. <laughs> what can I say? Yom Kippur used to be a little different. It was more of a celebration of atonement and starting a new year, hopefully sealed in the Book of Life, liberty, and pursuit of a decent bagel. So there you have it. And worse comes to worst, you can turn right around and atone for listening to this. So anyway, how did our forecestors first hook up? And what do those nascent moments say about what to do after giving J-Date a credit card number? Speaking of which, a small interjection. I have a friend, for the sake of anonymity, we'll call him me, who's been baffled recently by experiences not on J-Date, but on another similar but more matchmaker-ish site. In this day and age, when you receive the phone number of someone who's interested in hearing from you, it seems less intrusive and more chill to text the person to find out a good time to talk rather than to call. After a couple of fine folk found it somewhat off-putting to text instead of just calling, 
me tried just calling the next person. The result? Why didn't you text me first? The only thing more consistent than there being no consistency in what people consider incomprehensibly rude is their adamant belief that anyone thinking that doing things the other way is a good idea is incomprehensible. Not for nothing, the website survey when a match is closed asks if the person called or texted first. The choices are basically called, texted first and I was okay with it, or texted first and I thought that was rude. Now, Explain how to know for sure things like what to do for a first date. There are probably a dozen, this is the obvious one, answers. Not that I'm knocking these sites, or the people who feel one way about it, or the other way about it. I'm just saying, good luck explaining. But back to the Bible. How did they approach it? Adam and Eve didn't have many options nearby. In recent pandemic lockdowns, many were in a similar plight. Perhaps the only other person they'd see is a roommate or neighbor on their floor, or in Eve giving Adam the apple, the Torah gives precedent to falling for the DoorDash delivery person. Abraham married Sarah. That's all the Torah says. Giving precedent to not telling anyone, including your mother, about your dating life and to holding a private ceremony. And they got together when Abraham was 75 and Sarah was in her mid-60s. So, there's still hope for people who were in grammar school when Depeche Mode released that song. Then again, they didn't benefit from the coffee shops, texting, and other things that can speed up the process. Or, perhaps, bring it to a grinding halt, thanks to the power of Google. Isaac was a man of few words. At least, not many words loud enough for the Taurus stenographer to hear. Abraham sent a servant to find his soft-spoken son a wife. He brought back Rebecca, which ended well enough. Today, it's okay for someone to help with your online dating profile, but sending someone else to actually meet the women for you is a bad idea on several levels. Jacob left home around age 20, as one does, and met a girl as at a well. Today, one similarly goes to college and meets someone at the local watering hole. Happens all the time. But then it got interesting. Is she the one he married? No. It wasn't a typical case of being unable to tell her from her sister, but that's still an important lesson, especially if you're dating twins. And he did marry her next. Putting obvious lessons on polygamy aside, Jacob worked seven years each before getting to marry them. That's devotion, though no matter how romantic that perseverance seems, this kind of thing comes to fruition a lot more on screen or in print than in real life. And don't date someone and then her sister. They don't like that. Joseph was driven away by his family. Once he became a macher down in Egypt, Pharaoh gave him the daughter of Potiphar to marry. Yes, the Potiphar whose wife tried to seduce Joseph about 25 minutes into the musical, thus landing him in jail. See the aforementioned question about quality of your religious school education, if you don't remember that one. Stop, I don't believe in free love. 
Is there a modern application of the mother wanting someone and him marrying her daughter? Yes, but you probably need to be 17 or older to see the film about it without parental supervision. Also, contrary to what you might think, this is not the first, or last, instance where a forecester married someone not born Jewish. See also Adam, Abraham, Moses, actually almost all of them if you think about it. Speaking of Moses, early in his story he went on the lamb after killing an Egyptian who'd been beating an Israelite. While hanging out in Midian, he married the Midianite woman Zipporah. Sometimes when you travel to a foreign land, you meet that special someone. Finally, the five daughters of Tzalafchad came to Moses because their father died with no sons and they wanted to claim inheritance instead of it divesting to others. They got it on condition that they ultimately marry within their tribe, Menashe, so their portion didn't go to another tribe. The silver lining is that this was a rare biblical assertion of women's rights. The touch of gray is that it's an early instance of marrying for money. Well, that's it. I hope that you don't just go to meet members of your preferred gender at local watering holes because, if you're like me, you might get disbarred. And I also hope that you know how much I thank you for listening in. Whether or not it's your first time, hopefully it's not your last. Rear Pew Mirror is my longtime humor column, and this episode was based on my August 2022 column, Torah Tells Biblical Dating. Please follow Rear Pew Mirror on your podcast platform of choice and tell your friends about it. Give it a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that takes reviews and leave a comment as long as it won't scare anyone off. Share this episode with your friends, family, high holiday guests, and also with people you get along with. Share it with total strangers, partial strangers, and anyone who shares our love of Stranger in Paradise from the stage musical, which admittedly we don't love as much, Kismet. You can read past columns at rearpewmirror.com and follow Rear Pew Mirror on Facebook and leave comments there telling us what you'd like to hear about here. Also, check out Rear Pew Mirror's home publication, Southern Jewish Life Magazine, at sjlmag.com for more legitimate news and facts than you'll ever hear from me here. I'll talk to you again next time. Be good out there.